0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Andy Keimer, I'm the pastor of Children's and Youth Ministry here, and we try to give a little ministry moment, a little ministry update periodically. And, um, we are about five weeks removed uh, from our fourth annual special needs Easter egg. Hunt, so we want to announce that, start throwing that out, because this week through email out to life groups, to you out as the church, we want to give you the opportunity to get involved in that. And what that is, about four years ago in a staff meeting, we were just talking about the nature of Easter celebrations with you know, Easter icons and the big blokes and everything. We had a couple staff members who had family friends, family members who had children with special needs, who basically just crossed those events off. They could not really attend those just because of the overwhelming environment, just the nature, the speed of the egg hunts, it just really wasn't accommodating to those families. So we decided four years ago to do an Easter egg hunt, an Easter celebration specific to those children and specific to those families. And uh, last year being our third one we did, we had close to 100 children with special needs Um, get the opportunity to do an egg hunt, have inflatables, get their face painted. Um, It was a really, really special event. So this entire event is... uh, cater to those families. Uh, We do a wheelchair egg hunt that has a doll rod with a a magnet on the end, and the eggs have magnets in them, so these um, young men and women who are in wheelchairs get the opportunity to actually pick up the egg. We do a sensory egg hunt, uh, which is quiet, uh, low-key, there's no running, there's no... Race to pick up as many eggs as you can. And I think we had about 50 emails from the families just thanking us. Uh, We have a petting zoo, we have face painting, we have crafts, and it's all specific for children with special needs and and their families. Uh, So it's a great opportunity to serve. Uh, Last year we had close to 70 volunteers on the day. Uh, It's April 4th from 2 to 4 p.m. It's going to coincide with our Saturday serve for April. But there will also be opportunities for life groups, uh, to donate uh, Easter baskets, Easter eggs, candy for the Easter eggs, water bottles, and all that information will come out. One thing we do, um, we give an Easter basket to every single child that comes to the event. And those are all been donated by people of the church. And last year we had about 70, and we thought we were going to be good, but when we had close to 100 kids, we, we had enough stuffed animals and stuff like that. So it's our challenge um, as a church uh, if we can all... Donate an Easter basket, if not Easter basket, Easter eggs, uh, candy to go in the eggs. And starting next week out in the lobby out here, we'll have a a system set up where we can store those Easter baskets, store those donations, but we'll continue to kind of give announcements throughout the month. Um, If you want to get signed up for the actual event, you want to clean up the event, you want to help set up the event, you want to whatever opportunity you want to serve, we want to give you that chance. Because it's a really, really special event. Those that have served in the past, I think they know how awesome of mm-hmm. an it is. So, yeah.
1: so what Andy's saying is those Easter baskets, bring one. Okay. <laughs> so, honestly, because here's the way they set it up, which was so, is so awesome. Um, every kid gets a little ticket. You know, when you come in, you get a ticket. And then they walk up to the table with their ticket. And the people at the table take their ticket and look at the number they're like, you won! You know, and then they win an Easter and they're so excited about winning this Easter basket. And last year we did have the stuffed animals, but the kids who got the Easter baskets were way happier than yeah, <laughs> just they were pretty, the stuffed animals. They were pretty excited. Yeah, so for, for us this year, we can't run out of, because there's going to be more kids there. It's like 400 people with the families and everything. And so we can't run out of Easter baskets this year. So everybody go to Walmart, go to uh, whatever, Kroger, and have those baskets on the table, just grab one, you know, bring it in next week, next couple weeks, and we'll make sure we have more than we need. Um, I'd rather have more than...
0: Yeah, and and we'll email out information, and there'll be a system out here that'll be very clear, okay, here's where the bag goes, we'll put the bag in one of the classrooms, and then we'll have it for the event, so we're really excited, it's something the church has really rallied around in the community as well, I mean... Uh, Yeah, to have 400 people on campus last year. This year, we're expecting over 500, 600. We're not even sure. Uh, The moment we sent out the registration, about 40 families signed up that day. Um, So we're excited for this
1: great event. Thanks, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So, Song of Solomon 2:15 says, "Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards." our vineyards that are in bloom. You know, there are wounds that we experience in life that seem small. They seem small, but they go deep. And left unchecked, they can infect and ruin our lives. If we allow these to just fester, they infect and they ruin our lives. When I was... When I was 12 years old, um, I'm not sure they have this term anymore, but I was a latchkey kid. Anybody a latchkey kid when you were growing up? Right. Yeah. Your parents are my case. My mom worked. And so I got home from school and I got, you know, had my key open the door. And then the summertime um, I was alone usually. And it wasn't a big deal. I was alone from like uh, to, you know, three o'clock, two thirty, three o'clock till my mom got home at six. But in the summertime she left for work and, you know, I woke up. I had all day um, to kill. Right. The entire day by myself. No one watched me. I was latchkey kid. So uh, there was a stream that ran along the apartment complex. It ran along uh, Route 304 and it was fairly wide, maybe 10, 15 feet wide. In some places it was four or five feet deep and other places it was really, really shallow. And so I had I figured out um, by, you know, being around there that they had it, that stream had enormous carp. I mean big, like as long as your arm carp, these fish. And so I thought, I'm going to try to fish for those. But I realized you, you couldn't fish them for them in a traditional way with a rod and reel. So I came up with my own way to hunt for these carp. I trained my dog, Duchess. Well i just gotten, she's about a year old. I trained her to work with me and fish with me for these huge carp. And we would chase these carp up and down the stream and we would try to get them from the deep end and where it was deeper where they tried to hide, up into the, the shallows or where the you know, it was just really like where the waterfall would come down, shallow end and they get up there and I would I would run and I would grab them and I would put them into the cart that I borrowed from Stop and Shop, which is right across the street. <laughs> I'm telling you, this was a great this was a great plan for a 12 year old. I borrowed their cart. I did give it back at the end of summer. I'm not sure you want to put your groceries in it after it was in that place, but I borrowed the cart. I turned it upside down. You know how you put your little feet out and let one little part. It was a great cage. I could open it up under the water, put the carp in there. I would catch them. And when you're hunting for carp that way, you can't worry about like snakes and rats, you know, muskrats and all kinds of things you would find or debris or bushes. You had to go for it. You know what I mean? They'd be underneath a bank and you had to kind of crawl up underneath the bank. The dog, I let the dog go first and she'd usually go underneath there If there was like a muskrat or something. She'd kill the muskrat and we, we just went crazy all summer long catching these carp and I would catch them in the cage and after, at the end of the day, I'd catch four or five, I'd just pick it up, they'd swim out, I'd put it back down and I'd go over the next day and I'd try to catch more. And I did this all summer long. Well, at one point, I was hunting this carp. It must have been, I don't know, it was, you know, just a gigantic... (laughs) I don't have a picture of it. Take my word. I'm the pastor. I wouldn't lie to you. It was a gigantic carp. So I was chasing this carp around the stream, and at one point, I I got him in the shallow. We, We chased him out from the deep part. I got him in the shallows, and I leaped, and I landed on him, and I landed on I grabbed the carp, and my knee landed on a rock that was covered with debris. There was all kinds of debris there. Okay, so none of this really hurt that, so don't, oh man, you know, I was 12, I jumped, I I caught the carp. When you, if you don't catch the carp, you're like, oh, my knee, you know what I mean? But if you catch the fish or whatever you're doing, it's like, ah, forget it. So I caught it, I put it in there, but I, and I realized I hit my knee pretty hard, but you know, it was more fish to catch, more things to do, so I spent the rest of the day chasing them around, and my mom got home, and, and they didn't really think much about it. Well, a few days later, I noticed that on that knee, I had a hole in my kneecap and there was a red line that was running down my leg. It was like, it was red right around the, the incision where it went in. And then a line was running down my leg. And my mom said, well, what happened? And I, I didn't really think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. Later on, I realized, but I, didn't, I wasn't really sure what what had happened. Um, I didn't really think about what it could be. Well, it was infected and so my mom took me to the doctor and the doctor began to kind of do the doctor thing. He was like, well, let see, what is that? And felt around a little bit and then he got his tweezers out and it was a little, it was a small hole. And again, this was not a painful experience kind of thing. It was just, you know, you're sitting there and maybe he sprayed it with something. I'm not sure they had that back then, but um, he, he started tweezing around and digging around on my knee and he said, what, what is that? And he starts pulling on it. It was like a magic trick. You know, I was like a oh, this thing started, This piece of wood just kept on coming out of my knee. It was big, way bigger than a toothpick, and it was up there. And he pulled it out, and he just was astonished. He, he's like, "How? How did you not notice that?" How did you not recognize what, what had happened? Like he, how, 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 does that, how does that happen? And, and I, I'm, I'm like, I'm 12 years old. I'm thinking, I'm hunting for carp. I don't, you know, I got bigger fish to fry here. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I got I to gotta worry about that. So I didn't really think about it. But my knee, because of that experience, my knee, because of that event, was infected and had to take antibiotics and go through the whole thing. But here's the thing. Most people... Don't pay much attention to wounds in their lives that are small. Think about that. But it's often the things that we ignore that can have the most profound impact on our lives. The things that we, things may have happened and, you know, we see the results after a while of what happened. But... It's the things that we choose to ignore, those small wounds that we choose to ignore that can have a profound impact. We're we're continuing our series, Scars, The Art of Healing. And this morning, I want to talk about um, underestimating, if you will, underestimating the smaller wounds in our lives. The things that we, we forget or choose not to think about. We try to ignore it. And sometimes until it's too late. Now before we go any further, what I want to do is I want to define again the difference between a wound and a scar as we're laying them out in this series. A wound, okay, a wound, are, wounds are injuries that are left unhealed. Right? You get a wound. A wound is an injury that is still unhealed. A scar is created from a healed wound. When you say you have a scar, that is a healed wound. Those are very important. And the goal, the goal of this series is for us to allow God to turn our wounds that we have, small or large, to turn our wounds into scars. Now, like physical scars, this is so important. We need to understand that healing is a process. It's a process. I don't, I I, I, so, this is so important to me. I don't want you to be discouraged because you're not there yet. You haven't completely healed yet. It is a process. Healing that wound is a process. As long as you recognize it, and as long as we're moving forward, that's what's important. This may for some of us this may take this may take years to ultimately get it to go from a wound to a scar, but that's the goal. That we would allow God, that we recognize what our wounds are and allow God to turn those wounds into scars. So let's move back now to the power of a a small a small wound. Think about it. A flea is really tiny, it's really small, but left unchecked, a flea can reproduce enough offspring to kill a large dog if it just left on its own. Think about the the size of a termite. A termite is a small insect, but if you ignore that termite that you see in your house, it can destroy your entire house. Eat it up, destroy your entire house. Think about this also. Um, It wasn't the battleships, these huge battleships that ultimately won World War II. It was a comparably small bomb. that You say, well, that was was an atom bomb. No, I'm talking the size of the bomb compared to the size of a battleship. It was a comparably small bomb that ended the war in World War II. Uh, A small hole, think about it, in a dam. You have a small hole in a dam. If that's not addressed, if that is not fixed, if that is not patched, it can destroy the entire dam. Dealing with little wounds, okay, can help us to avoid some of the larger wounds or avoid bigger problems. Now, let's get more specific. Have you ever wondered why you emotionally overreact in certain situations? Have you ever thought about that? It's important that we do that. Why is it that given a certain phrase, given a certain situation, a certain environment, you emotionally overreact to that situation? Let me give you another example from my life. By the time this series is over, you will know everything about me. Okay? <laughs> when I became a teenager and into my 20s, my late 20s, um, I'll put this the most concise way I can. I would unnecessarily overreact to certain expressions of authority. I would unnecessarily overreact emotionally to certain expressions of authority. When I realized what I was doing... I traced it back to an experience, because I literally had one, one, one real strong experience when this happened, and I had to stop myself and say, what that person said or did did not warrant my emotional response. Why am I emotionally responding this way? So I traced it back, and I traced it back to an experience that I had when I was probably, I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old, when an adult Mishandled the situation. Now, honestly, this this wasn't a huge deal. Okay, this wasn't like if I told you the experience, she wouldn't be like, "Wow, that that's life-altering." Um, it wasn't such a big deal, but it stuck with me. It re- it stuck with me, and I. And I realized, I remember feeling unable to defend myself in that situation. The person who was, uh, you know, came at me, was coming at me in a way that was probably not the right way to handle it. And in that experience, I felt like I couldn't defend myself because I was too young. What happens is all of a sudden you get bigger as a teenager, bigger and stronger in your teens and your 20s. Okay, And their attitude becomes, I will never let that happen to me again. No one will ever confront me that way. And I didn't really think this all the way through. It was just my reaction to anyone who behaved in that way. Or, really, they weren't doing anything wrong or sinful. I just began to emotionally react to anyone who thought they were going to have that type of authority over me. And that became, really, some sin in, in my life. It was a small wound, but over time... it it really festered and it caused me to sin. You say, well, what do you mean caused you to sin? Well, you know, someone would come to me and they would say something or they would, it was a normal environment and I would emotionally overreact to that particular authority. That was sin, that caused sin in my life. So first off, it causes sin in your life. If you don't deal with it, it will only increase. Here's the other problem though. Satan is an expert, okay, an expert in taking seemingly insignificant events or comments or conversations or whatever you want to say, taking those and then then lying to us about them. He takes an event and then all of a sudden he begins to lie because he is a liar. In John chapter 8 and verse 44 it says, You belong to your father, speaking to unbelievers, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And one of his favorite lies is to tell... You that you have no value. That's one of his favorite lies to weave that in, to tell you you have no value, and then he weaves that lie into the fabric of your life. So when you're younger, he finds something, a comment or whatever else, and then all of a sudden starts speaking into your mind that you have, that that becomes a value issue in your life, that you have no value. He says things like, like, you know, just simple things like, it was your fault. It was your fault. Hey, why didn't you stop it when it was happening? That person, you know, you could have said something, you know, could have stuck up for yourself. You're weak. That's the problem. You're weak. You're weak. It's your fault. You should have stopped it. Um, you're not good enough. That's the problem. If, if, if the person who did this to you did it to you because of something about who you are. You don't have value. You are not important. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not something enough. And that's why it happened to you. And he speaks. And you know, when you say it out loud, it's like, of course that's not true. Of course that's it's not, it's not your fault. For goodness sake. I was nine years old or whatever, whatever age you were, right? It wasn't your fault. You say it out loud. You say, well, yeah, sure, it was my fault. But when Satan starts weaving those lies into your life, you start living out his lies instead of living out the truth. And it has a profound impact on your life. Those, those things that we tell ourselves that came from him have a profound impact on our lives. And they can start From small, little, little experiences that we have. Um, how you deal, this is important, how you deal with those, with those lies, how you deal with those wounds, or how you fail to deal with them will have a profound impact on the next generation of your family. This, this whole series is not just about us. It's not just about working through those wounds and turning them into scars for us, and it'll only impact our lives. It impacts, it impacts the lives of everyone around us. How you deal with those lives or those wounds, or how you avoid dealing with them, will have a profound impact on your next generation. Small wounds, small wounds can create lasting issues. If we do not allow God to turn our wounds into scars. So we, we need to, we need to realize little hurts can often become really, really big hurts. When we allow, this is important, when we allow or accept unhealthy thought or behavioral patterns in our lives it just sets the stage for larger events to happen issues larger issues to arise if we if we ignore small often often and this is hard for some of us to you know to deal with sometimes but if we ignore small often self-inflicted wounds we're going to pay a price. If you ignore those things in your life, you are going to pay a price. Psalm 38.5 reminds us of this. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my, because my sinful folly. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. Folly, whether, well, whether self-inflicted or caused by others, we need to address them and not allow them to fester. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 and 25, it says this. Jesus told him this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds along with the wheat and went away. We may think it's not important to deal with that issue. We may think it's not important to deal with that issue or deal with that wound. And so we decide to sleep. We're going to let it go. I mean, how... Come on. The story I just told you, I said it wasn't a big deal. So we just let it go. We let it sleep. And while we're sleeping, the enemy comes along... And sows wheat into our lives. And those, listen, those weeds, he sows weeds into our lives. And those weeds, those lies, okay, that we sow in create behavioral patterns. This is very important. Those weeds, those lies, they create behavioral thought patterns. They, be, they, they create behavioral patterns of action in our lives. But when pointed out, we say things like, I'm not that controlling. And we point them out. No, I'm not. And they, we, we actually sometimes turn around and say it's a, it's a positive quality. We give a positive quality to it. We say, I'm not that controlling. I'm not. I would say, I'm not. I, back when I would say, I'm not. That, I'm not that defensive. What are you talking about? What are you talking about being defensive? It's your behavior that caused me to react to you. It's not my defensive. It has nothing to do with me. You don't, don't come at me that way and you won't get that response. I'm not that defensive. My temper is not that bad. I only react, I, the only reason I raise my temper, I, you know what it is? I'm, a, I'm the kind of person just tells it like it is. You don't want to hear it, you don't want to hear it the way it is and don't cling around with me. So your temper's not that bad, and it's, it's, you know, you're, 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 you're not too controlling, you're not too defensive, it's just all everybody else around you. And even, here's the thing, even if you figure out why you act the way you act, even if you figure that out, you're thinking, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not a big deal, it doesn't matter. It does, it does, it doesn't matter. We think, man, honestly, we think we got bigger fish to fry in our lives. I'm not gonna be dealing, give, give me a break. I got bigger fish to fry until your goose is cooked. That's the thing. Satan weaves those lies in. You go along with them. You don't want to deal with with what's really the foundation or the root of that problem. So make excuses around it. And here, golly, I am not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to beat up on anyone or, or point fingers. All I'm saying is that each one of us have those lies that Satan has woven into our lives. Wasn't, most of the time they weren't our fault from the very beginning. They were inflicted upon us. But now that we're older and more spiritually mature, we have to address why we behave, why these behavioral patterns exist in our lives. They exist, those thought patterns and behavioral patterns, because they have wounds in our lives that have not turned into scars. And that's something we all need to deal with in our lives. It's something we can all... See, here's, here's our thought process. It's like, you can, you can live with your seemingly small wounds and their corresponding behavior, but my question is, can your children? Can my children? Can my family? Should they have to? Should they have to in my life? Should I be able to, when you come to me and say something to me and I feel should I be able to just aggressively emotionally react to you and just hammer you because now no one's going to You know what it boils down to when I was in my teens and twenties? It was I was I felt threatened. I felt vulnerable. I didn't so I reacted. I was big enough to react, but it basically I was in a say, I'll say 25 year old body But I was being controlled by a nine-year-old who was hurt and wasn't going to let in. Now I'm big enough. (laughs) Now you try it. Make me feel that way and see what happens to you. That's just sin in my life. I allowed Satan to weave that lie into my life. I felt vulnerable. And so I reacted to that vulnerability. Should my children, should my family have to Continue to live with someone who behaves and reacts that way. What price will they pay? What price are we allowing them to pay if we pass on unhealthy patterns of behavior? One of my goals in life as I got, as I continue to get older, especially with my kids, is to make sure that I don't pass those behavioral thought patterns on to them. That I address those in my life. And I, I believe I have addressed the one I just described to you. It takes a lot for someone to get me to react, emotionally react. Most of you will probably have never seen or will never see me react the way I did when I was younger. Because that's no longer a wound. I recognize where it came from. I dealt with it. It's a scar. I can talk to you about it and use it as an example. Honestly, one of the things I, I don't mind telling my stories because I'll be totally vulnerable with you and tell you there's still things I'm working through and working on and all that kind of thing. But the other, the other thing I can do to help is to show you, I tell you these stories, and, but the person standing up here before you is not a person who's wounded. It's a person who's scarred. And I can use those scars to impact your life, to invest in your life. Do I feel? I don't. I can tell a story without much emotion anymore. Now, if we're together one on one, and I'm sharing that story with you, and it's helpful for me to go back and try to try to feel, okay, try to experience, so I can empathize with you, then I'll try to feel it. But it's a story. It's an experience, it's a scar, it isn't a wound, and that is that. That is all to the glory of God in my life. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what healed my wounds, not my own pull myself, my own bootstraps, I'm so whatever, I can handle anything. I let Jesus do the work in my life. Do you know where a lot of your negative or hurtful um, thought processes or unhealthy thought processes and behavioral patterns come from in the first place? Honestly, from the generation that came before you. From the people who would not work on these issues years ago. It may have nothing to do with something that happened to you. What happened is great-great-grandfather or whatever passed it on to great-grandfather who passed it on to granddad, who passed it on to your dad, who passed it on to you. These behavioral patterns... But here's the really cool thing. I want you to listen to this. This is so amazing and so encouraging. When you heal that wound, okay, when you heal that wound, the corresponding behavior dies with you. When you heal that wound in your life, that behavior, that thought process, it dies with you. There are generational patterns in my family that I have killed. There have giants that I have slayed. They're lions that I've overcome. These are patterns of behavior that are no longer a part of my family because I stopped that generational pattern right here and I'm not passing it on to my children or my grandchildren. That should just make us excited that that can happen. We can praise God. You need to be the person. You need to be the generation that ends that pattern in your family, that ends that lie. The lie started out with whoever and they passed on those behavioral patterns thought processes whether whatever it was you can call it whatever it was and they pass it down and they pass it down and they pass it down when you're a child and someone behaves a certain way you pick up on those things but what I'm saying is we need to address them we need to acknowledge them then we need to let the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ deal with them so that you can become the person who ended that pattern of behavior or thought in your family To me, that is just like, this is one of the greatest things about being a Christian. I'm standing up here right now, and the person I am right now is not going, I'm going to be a different person a year from now, five years from now. Things that you think that I need to work on, and they may be legitimate things that I need to work on. Don't put a big tag on, oh, Jeff Greer is boom, because two years from now, I won't be. Because Jesus Christ will have transformed my life as long as I'm aware of it, then He can deal with it. We need to understand, this is important too, we need to understand that we will pay a price for allowing the little foxes in our lives to destroy the tender vines. There's a good side to this and a bad side to this. We will be judged. We will be held accountable if we let the little foxes in our lives destroy the tender vines. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are the examples that the Bible has laid out for us. All these people who have been through worse than we have been through set an example for us to follow. So he says, Since therefore... We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off. I love that. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. What is hindering you? You need to throw it off. And the sin, I have described mine at that point, and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. These lies, these wounds will keep us from fulfilling God's purpose and plan for our lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm not letting mine. You know, sometimes you feel like you get... You just, well, I don't, I don't think this is terrible to say, but sometimes you feel like you're getting your butt kicked, right? Your whole life you've been getting your butt kicked. And all I'm saying is do some kicking back, man. You have the power of the resurrection, Christ living in you. Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. You are the one who should be feared, not your enemy. you gotta, you got to get, get some chutzpah, okay? And you need to push back, you need to kick back, you need to shove back. Stop acting like a victim when you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. I'm not taking away from what happened to any of us. But I'll be darned if I stand up here and surrender, okay, because it happened, I don't want to, I'm not surrendering to anything. I'm not surrendering to anyone. I am going to become the person that God designed and created me to be. I'm going to fulfill all that He has for me. And if it costs some difficulty in my life to go and pull some some, some wounds or lies that have been woven into the fabric, I'm going to find the little... And I'm going to pull it out. And whatever's on the end, it may hurt, but you know what? I've dealt with it. And now it's over. And that's the attitude we need to have. That's the attitude God wants us to have. Wounds fester if they're not thrown off. And if they're not thrown off, they can infect your whole body. And they can infect everyone around you. And that infect... Let me think about this. That infected splinter that was in my... Or that piece of wood that was in my kneecap, if that was left and wasn't dealt with, if it wasn't treated, I could have lost my whole leg. You think, that's exaggerating. No, it's not. If I'd have let that go, I could have lost my leg. See, I'd rather deal with a wound early. I'd rather deal with it early than let it linger and and consume me. Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. So i got to ask you a question. Are you allowing the past to infect your present and dictate your future? Be honest. Are you allowing your past to infect your present and to dictate your future? Ask yourself, what are you allowing to grow and fester in your life? What is it? Is it unforgiveness? Say, well, I don't, I don't, I've forgiven everyone around me. Have you forgiven yourself? Some of you are in this situation or you're feeling what you're feeling or you got these wounds that are stolen because you have not forgiven yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to go before God, ask for His forgiveness. Once He's forgiven, you have to forgive yourself. Because when you don't forgive yourself, once you've asked for forgiveness, what you're doing, and I'm just being honest, is you might as well just look Jesus Christ in the face, look God in the face and say, you are a bold-faced liar. If he's forgiven you and you haven't forgiven yourself, then what you're doing, you're calling God a bold-faced liar. I don't think anyone wants to do that. We need to forgive those around us. We need to forgive other people. I've said this before. I'm going to keep saying it. When you don't forgive someone, and I know how difficult it is. I'm not just standing up here talking. I understand the difficulty of forgiveness. But here's the thing. When you don't forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. We can't live that way. We can't have that. Maybe it's a comment that someone made, a comment that someone made that, for some reason, still bothers you. I remember someone told me years ago that they were younger, maybe four, five, six, seven years old, or whatever. they were sitting on their father's lap, and he was just joking. They even said that. He was joking, and they said, oh, chubby, you know, you you're, talked about their weight. She said, it affected me until I was my 40s. What is it? Is it, is it a comment that was made? Is that what's... Holy, is that what you're allowing to grow and fester in your life? What lies are you allowing to control your life? Are you bitter because you feel cheated? And you may have a right to feel that. I mean, you have been cheated. Maybe you feel you're bitter because you feel cheated. You feel like you were wronged. You feel like you were disrespected. But here's the thing. That is eating you up. It is The bitterness of that is eating you up. Don't allow, don't allow the little foxes to ruin your vineyard. Take the time, take the time to sit down with someone, okay, and talk about how you're feeling. Maybe you need to sit down with someone who you feel has wronged you or harmed you, and you need to sit down, and instead of letting it fester, instead of letting it go, instead of letting it dictate your life, sit down with that person and talk to them about how you're feeling. And then, honestly, it gives them a chance to either apologize or to, to explain. Sometimes an explanation, you're like, I never thought about that. I didn't know. I didn't... I thought... Let them let them apologize. Let them explain. I have a friend who I grew up with. He was the youngest among us in our kind of gang in this apartment complex. He was the youngest. And um, he went back after 40 years. He went back to a bunch of different individuals in our group. And he confronted them. Anyone who teased him or or bullied him. And he got teased and bullied. Anyone he teased or bullied, he went back to them and he confronted them. He said to one person, you have ruined years of my life. And that person felt just broken about it. They're adults now and they apologized to him. And that helped heal his wounds. See, here's the thing we have to recognize too. And I, I'm not trying to make this harder because we're going to work through all this. I'm not going to get you all dressed up with and not you any place to go here. But what the Bible says is, catch for us, the little foxes, foxes, not one fox, foxes. Some of you feel like you're being nibbled to death by minnows, right? You'd rather just take on a shark one once and for all, just. That. but you're not. You're being nibbled to death by minnows. It's like death by a thousand little paper cuts. That's how we feel sometimes. But God says, you can, I can work through all of these. I can work through them all. But here's what we need to do. You can, you can turn your wounds into scars by following the advice of one of my all-time favorite characters who came from the Andy, Andy Griffith show, Barney Fife. <laughs> right? What did Barney used to say? nip it nip it nip it nip it in the bud that's what he used to say that's what we have to do we need to nip it we can't let it go someone's walking out this morning and they said boy i wish you to preach a sermon to me when i was 25 we're about about you know 30 40 years too late i said no we are not i don't care if you're 85 or 15 as a matter of fact if you're younger here i am talking to you i am talking to you this morning you need to, there are so many things that have been inflicted on your life at an early age. And if you're young right now, I want to encourage you. And you can come and talk to me and I'll try to figure out a, you know, a plan of action here. But you need to deal with it now. You cannot wait. It. Listen to me. It doesn't go away. When I, when I slammed my knee on that rock and got a piece of wood stuck up in my knee, that infection would not have gone away. It would have, I would have had to remove my leg or I could have died. Don't think when I get older, it'll just get better. I'll be stronger. I'll forget about it. No, you won't because you have an enemy who's constantly speaking lies into your life and here's something about the difference between God our God our Father and Jesus Christ and the enemy Satan that's darkness that's in your life right now but let me explain a, a reality to you when you bring truth okay against the lie the lie is overwhelmed when if, it, if you have a dark room and you flip the light switch on when light comes into a room darkness has but one option to flee When you bring light into a situation, darkness has no... There's no battle. Do you understand this? There's no battle between light and darkness. When the sun rises, the darkness flees. And the sun has risen. So I want to encourage you, okay, as we take communion here. I want to encourage you as we take communion. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God, God, what are my next steps in my healing process, what are the steps I need to take for this healing to, to happen in my life? Also, we are starting a care group that will start on Thursday nights, this coming Thursday night, from six to seven thirty. We're going to meet in the Orca Center. From 6 to 7.30, we have a counselor who's going to be there, and, and you can show up. doesn't matter what your issues are. We're going to all just come together. People are going to come together, and she's going to help. She's going to basically help you with support, give you the support and the tools to help you overcome what you're going through. To turn those wounds into scars. We're gonna start right there. We're gonna keep adding things that we're gonna, we've been talking about this series about the, the, the what and the why and the who. But we're going to start moving into the how. How do I turn my wounds into scars? And I want to encourage you once again. This is not just important for us as the body of Christ in this building. You have friends. You have family that need to be here. This series is going to go on for a little while. You need to invite people because they don't have the Lord. And they go through the same difficulties and struggles we face. But they don't have the Lord to help them face it. Let's invite them. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. And then I'm going to pray for the the body and the blood, the bread and the cup that is back there. I'm going to pray for both of those. When I'm finished praying, you don't have to wait for anybody else. You can get up, go to the back tables. You can come sit back down here. You can come up here and pray. You can go against the wall if you want to get some people together and pray for you. Whatever you'd like to do. You don't have to wait for anyone else. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11. You go up, you get the bread, you get the cup, you sit back down. And at the end, I'll pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Son, Jesus Christ. It is through Christ that we can do all things. We thank You for His body which was given for us on the cross. And because because He gave Himself for us, Lord God, we can find true healing in our lives through that relationship with You. So we thank you for this bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ given for us. And the power and the healing that it brings. God, we thank you for... This cup which symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us on the cross that covers over all of our sins. And because of that blood shed for us, we can enter into the very presence of God. We can enter into Your presence. We can come to You as a child comes to their dad and ask for things. And God, we are asking for healing. We're asking you to that You turn our wounds into scars. But we can only ask those things and we can only anticipate you doing them and know we can overcome the things that we're dealing with because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His blood that flows through our veins, that covers our sins and allows us to come before you and ask for your power. God, thank you for your son. May we remember that at all times. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Father, that's what you've said. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. We are a people who belong to you. I am a joint heir of Jesus Christ. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. We have been adopted into His family, we are His children. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We have the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ. That blood flowing through our veins. God, those are all truths. And so I pray, dear God, this morning that your truth would overcome the lies that have been woven into the fabric of our lives. That your light would come in And banish the darkness. That the voices that we hear in our minds. The only voice that we hear in our minds comes from you and your word. And God, we thank you. And we praise you. And we glorify you. We glorify you in advance. For we know you're going to do in our lives. To turn our wounds into scars. We give you all the praise and all the glory. And thank you, Lord God, for this time we can spend together. And Lord God, I pray that we would encourage each other. That we would support each other. That we would listen to each other. That we would comfort each other. That we would love each other. For as long as it takes for each one of us to become healthy healthy. And become more like your son Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Love you guys very much. Have a great, great week.